here, there, and everywhere. SAFM 105.6 FM in Palabora. All right, still sticking to the subject of, I suppose, what is tourism, if you had to frame it that way. Um, I'm speaking to Guy Leach this afternoon, who is an expert in aviation and um, has really done a lot of observation, apart from the fact that he also runs a fly magazine, which uh, he's an editor of. But Guy has obviously been seeing what I think has been unprecedented globally, let alone what we're seeing here in the country. Guy Leach, Thanks so much for making the time to talk to us. Good afternoon. Yeah, hi, good afternoon. Pamela, nice to be with you. Jeez, Guy. Um, look, before COVID-19, we were in South Africa already in murky waters. In fact, let me just say we, we were facing a crisis uh, in the aviation industry. We are now here. What's your take? How do you, how do you think we'll come out of this? Yes, well, the <laughs> you know, where, where, where do we start with the crisis in the aviation industry? The, the sad reality is that due to the ten, so-called 10 lost Zuma years, the South, the South African airline industry never really enjoyed the great good times that the rest of the world uh, enjoyed. And so airlines, particularly South African Airways and SA Express, were already weak. In fact, you could say on their knees but when the COVID crisis hit. And that meant that there was going to be no chance for them to survive. Even um, Comair, which has had a very proud history of 74 years of profits, had uh, declared a 850 million rand loss in the uh, first half of last year. Um, So uh, times are incredibly tough. Where are we at this stage? They're going to get a lot tougher simply because the airlines are at this stage going to be on the ground until the 1st of November. And um, we've seen that actually there's a huge, in a sense, fight going on inside government as to whether they can afford to put any more money into SAA. Uh, If they decide, as Tito Moweni has often said, that they can't put any more money into SAA, well, then there is no future for SAA. It has to be wound up. However, Provin Gordon, on the other hand, has been been swayed by uh, the labor unions and has promised that there won't be any retrenchments. In a sense, government wants to have its cake and eat it. It wants to have an airline but not have to put any more money into it. Um, and it's an interesting standoff. The whole situation is still very much in, 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 in uh, a state of flux. But um, we're seeing that uh, the pr- probable outcome will be a what's called an SAA version 2. But that will probably be just a carve-out of mostly the international long-haul routes um, that would be kept going once uh, the airline starts flying again towards the end of the year for the sake of keeping tourists and business and so on coming to South Africa. So we saw, uh, you know, an introduction of what was meant to be a rescue planners coming in and experts trying to see how they're going to rescue the business. We we haven't had an in, uh, an outcome out of that. We were expecting. In fact, the minister said that he's going to hear from them today. So in other words, all of us don't know what exactly their suggestions are. There were murmurs around, as, as we all know, that there will have to be retrenchments. Unions are pushing back and uh, court hearings are happening and so on. Has this become more political than it has been about the business itself? Oh, absolutely. There's no doubt about it. The, um, the, the, the 
issues at hand on one hand whether the business rescue practitioners ever stood a chance of being able to produce a plan. Um, what essentially happened for the benefit of the readers is that by mid-January they were ready to present a plan and they presented two scenarios to government. But government didn't like either of those scenarios because they involved substantial retrenchments, which was a very high political cost, and they involved significant additional funding in the order of 7 billion rand. Um, both of those costs were something government couldn't stomach at the time, so they sent uh, the business rescue practitioners back to the drawing board. And then COVID-19 hit, and just when uh, the business rescue practitioners were ready to provide the next plan, they couldn't plan at all um, and had asked for a, an extension until the end of May. And even that was not going to be possible. So there is no plan, even though expensive global international consultants have been brought in and no one really knows which way to go forward. And yes, it has become intensely political because on the one hand, as I said, you've got this battle between the desires or wants of labor, which is political. And on the other hand, you've got the forces of, of economic realism, which is that the government just doesn't really have the money to put into an airline, which is after all a subsidy of the rich. It's the rich who travel um, who would be subsidized by the poor who need you know, the, the necessary food aid and goods and service deliveries in normal times just to keep them going. So, yeah, it's a very much a political hot potato for government. So if we, if we park the political issue there for a minute and imagine that um, we now have, I mean, it sounds by all means, it sounds like there's going to be another airline that's going to be introduced. Do you get the sense that the reason we're doing that, apart from the politics, is to also deal with the very difficult conversation that is the elephant in the room of those evergreen contracts. Does moving away from what exists now nullify all of that? Yeah, um, I'm going to disagree with you on that. I don't think that the evergreen contracts, which I presume you are referring to pilots' contracts, were ever really an issue. The pilots have certainly long been prepared to substantially climbed down from some of the uh, terms in that, although the one issue that they are uh, not easily prepared to climb down on is that of seniority, which is absolutely central, not to South African Airways, but to all airline operations around the world. Mm -hmm. That's simply how the pilots are structured in terms of progress and moving up the ranks and rewarding experience and so on. So uh, I I think the red... Uh, the evergreen contracts would be a red herring. But if you're talking about evergreen contracts in a much broader sense, mm-hmm. in a sense of procurement yes. for, for, for instance, spares and fuel and mm-hmm. so on, well, then absolutely uh, there, there should be an absolute shake-up on that. But the business rescue practitioners have the ability to do that anyway. Um, they have the ability to renegotiate all those onerous contracts where things are unnecessarily expensive because – of the preferential procurement policy that was very aggressively pursued under the Dudu Miyeni chairmanship, where there was quite frankly a number of intermediaries interposed into the procurement process that would often increase the um, costs of procurement to as much as 300% in some cases. And it should also be borne in mind that now with the impact of the COVID-19 crisis, a lot of contracts can be further hugely negotiated, even if they weren't particularly bad contracts at the mm. time. But um, aircraft leases, you can, you can now lease the same aircraft for probably a third 
of the initial cost. For instance, um, SAA has been paying $350,000 a month for its A320 leases. Those leases are now available for about $100,000 a month. Okay, so you've separated the two ever, well, let's call them evergreen contracts, and and I I really appreciate the fact that you've clarified the differences because with regards to procurement, you're saying we actually don't need the drastic measure of starting a new airline. It could have been done by the rescue practitioners. That's interesting. Um, The issue of the hierarchy of the pilots, could it, it have been adapted to South Africa's as we know's very difficult history? It could, but at a great risk to the safety reputation of the airline. I know this is an extremely unpopular thing for me to say, Mm. Um, but essentially the attack on the seniority system was by the junior um, and African pilots. Let me hasten to point out that they called themselves the African pilots. And I also need to go out on a limb here um, and point out that the so-called the seven pilots who wrote a, a letter to government um, were actually the weakest of all the pilots. Those were the ones who needed protection the most. If those pilots were elevated prematurely to captain positions, the, uh, there would be a, an outcry about the safety of the airline um, simply because you now had pilots who had very poor experiences in terms of their safety record already. Um, who didn't have the necessary qualifications, who didn't have instructors' capabilities and so on, being promoted. And let me assure everyone that the critics would say that the airline was unsafe. Um, Whether that was true or not would be arguable, but uh, an airline depends on its reputation as much as its safety record. And if SAA's reputation was compromised, the passengers would choose to fly on other airlines. So I don't think that there's a good enough argument to be made under any circumstances for messing with seniority lists, uh, particularly from under pressure from an origin, already weak core of pilots. Your interesting sights, always interesting insights. Thank you so much, Guy Leach, uh, editor of SA Flyer magazine, also an aviation expert. That is a very interesting take on stuff. It's three o'clock. Thanks, everybody. Let's do this again tomorrow.